Teen Sports listeners. I'm your host, Erica Salda, the Queen of Teen. Please tune in every single Tuesday. This whole hour of Santa Barbara Teen Athletes. Woo! Woo! And we're talking all athletes. Good morning, everybody. I am so excited today in the house. The godfather of Santa Barbara baseball, nine-time champion, June 9th. He throws out the, well, he doesn't. I don't know who's going to throw out the first pitch, but the first pitch with the Foresters are going to take place. And we've got Bill in the house, Bill Pintard. Bill, what's going on? Talk to me. How's everybody doing? (laughs) Everybody doing good? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, we're getting uh, we're getting ready. Uh, first first game June 9th is away, but our first home game is June 10th, and uh, we're out there trying to figure it out. Um, we really need host families, though. We are really struggling. I wish I could put the phone number up on the air, but uh, our office number is eight zero five six eight four zero six five seven. That's eight zero five six eight four. 0567 and our uh, email is info at sbforesters.org so the last four is it 0567 or is it 0657 what what do you got which one I is think it it's, I, I don't know man <laughs> <laughs> I never why would you it. call yourself it's, how, it's, how would yeah, you do that it's uh, 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 I will but it's uh, I think it's 0657 Okay, oh, Crisis. Got it. Very, very oh, good. And Dominic is dyslexic, so I don't know if you said it wrong or she wrote it wrong. So I'm like, all right, we got to get the clue on this one. It's all good now. Okay, 684-0657. We can't say yes, it strong enough. It. Right. Call now. Housing. Operators are standing by. I know. We all need right. housing, yep. folks. And so, we give you and a season, we season pass, and then we give you a gift at the end of the season. And a little trophy. Mindfulness. Mindfulness yes, training. mindfulness, yes, mindfulness training. Don Sanders is going to give you a discount on massages during the month. Oh, yeah. That because we're looking at what they got. You're all you're you're off to the tournament because you're going to win the damn thing again for because it's ten. You know when you've done something ten times, Bill, you get respect. Okay, yeah. the first nine was luck. Okay, yeah, that's right. but ten—that's ten, it. <laughs> So everyone uh, associated with Teen Sports Radio is going to help and show love to the community that supports the Foresters. So uh, does it include nuts? I don't know. You know, though, your peanuts are outstanding. You haven't changed the formula to your peanuts because they're always nice and warm. And I I love those peanuts. Oh, yeah. We'll give you a taco taco truck meal when you come. (laughs) Taco truck meal. it's, It's unreal. Okay, so you guys are leaving in August. So basically the commitment is half of june all of july is that right? Right, right now if you can't do half of june because that's when kids get out of school you do the vacations whatever but then then you're back and rested and you could say to yourself well how can i give back to santa barbara well you can call 805-684-0657 and say well i can house a, a player for the month of july right yeah, that that works because we have one family that's doing two players for june wow so- It'll help. Anything can help. It's just uh, right. we're pulling our hair out. We we had some. We had four apartments, and, and then they the guy sold them. And anyway, so 
Even I'm, if you uh, have, if you have a barn, we'll lay down a bunch of sleeping bags. What a, you know, come on. Well, yeah, we, we used to have <laughs> tents in my backyard, so we might have. Well, we could do tents uh, out in the outfield at Pershing Park. Okay, right? so so how about this? Say somebody is really, you know, wants to support you, whatever, because you're gonna have to put these kids someplace. So you'll have to shelter them. What hotels? So then you're gonna be asking for. We're gonna have to have a fundraiser. We're gonna have to. Right. You gotta write a check. You can't help write a check for a couple of hundred bucks. Right. You know, pay right. for a night, right? Right. We have somebody doing that. Yeah. And uh, we're talking to Westmont right now and uh, we're talking to everybody we can. Yeah. Okay. And uh, UCSB, you know, we've got enough um, places, institutions in town. I, we know, we know it's all going to work out, but this is how Santa Barbara rolls. We wait till it gets to like, cause it's just, you know, I don't know. It gets that dopamine rush. You know, like, ah, yeah. you know, it's like you have other things to worry about, Bill, than housing. You know, well, now, but I don't now. like that when you got a guy for the four hole, you say, oh, uh, I, I might have to cut him because I have no place for him to stay. And you know, that's that's, that's that's what we're doing. We're yeah, I can't. Guys, that's not that's not these good. Guys, we can't take you. You're going to have to find your own housing. We do have some players from Dallas Baptist. They, they, they're going to get an Airbnb. But wow. not everybody's wealthy. We have some really good players that, you know, that uh, they don't have the means to do that. And, right. Uh, so anyway, um, but I'm waking up at 3.30 in the morning, worrying about it. So let's go. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so how does, like, because you pretty much have, you, you've landed the team now, or you're still, are you still? Oh, no, like, no, we're full. Okay. We are. We have a good team. Uh, you, really? You, I could see your face. It lit up when you said that. We have a good team. All right. Usually I say, oh, we'll be okay. No, we, yeah, have yeah. Good, we have a good team. I just, uh, we just need to get them all here. All right. So do you find over the last 10 years, or you've been doing it longer than that, but uh, are the athletes getting better? And is the game keeping up with the, um, how good they're actually getting? Like, you know, when you when seeing all these records being broke and everything, I mean, you're not going to change the ball. You're not going to change the bat. You're not going to change the distance. Right. All that's pretty much in concrete. Is that true? Or it's not in kind of major league. You know, the new commissioner is trying to screw around with some rules. But OK, yeah, basically it's the same. Yeah. The athletes are getting just a little bit bigger, stronger. Um, um, they, there's more training going on. Um, it's getting more to the physical. They're forgetting about the mental training and, uh, um, the mental training is really important. Uh, yeah. What do you, what do you have, think we about have a place to go there too? Yeah. You know, do you but, think uh, that, I was going to say, do you think that the, the rules are strong enough for pitchers that I don't know enough? Well, I shouldn't say that because Joe was a catcher, so I'm not going to say what you guys do in the game or whatever, but when you throw out a batter, and you and three or four batters have been, you know, supposedly, I guess the guy was off that day. OK, but how do you think that the rules are strong enough to, you know, to protect the batter from the pitcher, from a pitch yeah, the, that the pitcher's not going to throw out a batter unless that batter's done something to. I mean, I was a pitcher. Right. And and if a guy went in and with his spikes high and right. took out my shortstop. Okay. On a dirty slide. When then he comes up the bat again, I have to protect my shortstop. Okay. And but when I play, there's no forgive and forget mindfulness training. No. Love with Dominique. Pull a tarot card with Christine. <laughs> well, yeah. God can, can teach you with the breath. No, none you can of that. Do that okay. kumbaya stuff, but then those <laughs> your teammates aren't going to be there for you. 
Yeah. But see, when I did it, when we played, there was no designated hitter. So I had a hit. So if I was going to throw out a batter, there had to be a good reason for me to throw out that batter because I was going to have to come up the bat. So what are they going to do to me? Right. So, um, but we never, we never threw above the numbers. We never threw up. And At the head. I used to like right. to hit them in the ass. That's where I like to hit them. <laughs> Right. Right. And then they'd have to rub their ass when they went to first base. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do it a lot, but sometimes it had to be done. They, they, they so it, do was they this your, was that your call or the coach doesn't know nothing? I know not the coaches. It's up to the players to take. Right. Care of I thought stuff. so. Yeah. And that as a coach, I, I didn't, we did have an incident in Cuba though. They threw at our batter on purpose. They threw at him on purpose and hit him in Cuba. And so my catcher goes, coach, that's BS. What are we going to do about it? I said, you got to do what you got to do. I said, do what you got to do. So you didn't look at him when you said it, right? You looked down. You got to do what you got to do. Yeah, you start kicking dirt. Just do, do what, what you, you got to do. do. But yeah. like, I would never order a pitcher to throw out a batter nowadays i would never do that because if it got away and hit him in the head or something you caused damage I, I i don't do it anymore but in cuba i did because we were there we didn't do anything they hit us on purpose so i said do what you got to do but don't be chicken about it you know i mean right. don't and that means you hit the very first batter with the very first pitch so they knew that you were doing what you were doing Right. And so it. I looked over at the coach because I always wear sunglasses when I coach. And I took my sunglasses over and I looked right at that coach. And he looked at me. He went like this. So I went like that. And then all of a sudden, he tipped his hat to me. Ah. And I tipped my hat back to him and it was all over. Nice. Nobody threw at anybody else. After okay. the game, we all took a picture. And sang Kumbaya together. There you go. <laughs> and pulled the tarot card. That's it. They did the mindfulness training and then. And we did, did mindfulness got training. Oh, got a massage. Nice. Yes. Uh -huh. <laughs> nice. And then we got a pedicure. So it was all, all right. good. There you go. Okay. So, bottom line at the end of the day, we're going to take a little break, but 805 684 0657. If you don't have a room, maybe you know of somebody. That's the yes. key. You can ask around my listeners. We've we've got a great this is going on 12. We're in our 13th season now. We have our loyal fan base and people that listen or tune into this show or are really light workers. So if you can't support not because you you don't want to, you want to, but you don't have the, uh, the means or the ways, then, you know, somebody I know, you know, somebody. So yeah. that's all we got to do. And then if not, then man. The, a nonprofit like the Foresters could use some money because that means they're going to have to dig into the till and they didn't expect to do housing expenses and, you know, a couple of hundred bucks. I say just round it out, $200 um, that could provide, you know, a night, a meal, the whole thing, and then you'll be loved. And what if somebody donates? Do they, could they get a um, season well, pass? We are a 501c. So that, you know, we're a 501c nonprofit organization. So you have that. And all our host families get season passes. Yes. Okay. Beautiful. Yeah. I love it. All right. All Bill right. Pintard, 
I know you got to go, but if you can stay, please stay. But let us do this. I'm going to start fresh second section with all, everybody that is landed here in the house. They're all here now. Uh, so let's take a little break. We love you, Bill. We want we oh, want to see. Thank you so much. Uh, hey, the next all. time we're going to we're going to uh, check in one more time and you're going to tell us you're full. OK, and then uh, the next time you'll be in the thing. And I know you're too busy, but then I want you to hold up the trophy. <laughs> Now, not, not, I want that so I can visualize what the next one's going to look like. Yeah, you okay. got the trophy there, Candy. Where is it? Yep, he's getting the trophy, everybody. He's walking. We're in his office right now. I see a lot of bats and I see a lot of there it is. That's a big trophy. <laughs> I like it. All right, it's going to say number 10 on it. I'm feeling it. We love you, Bill. You're great. This, Thank you, Erica, so much. I, You're wonderful. You're wonderful. Uh, you're the, well, bye you're bye. the best. I bye promise bye. you. I promised you so many rooms. And I, if I walk it, I talk. If I talk, what is it? If you talk the talk, you got to walk the walk oh, all day. That's yeah. it. All right. Let's listen to some messages. Thanks. Appreciate Thank it. You. Thank you so much. You bye take bye. care, Bill. Bye, Duke. <laughs> right, let's take a break. We've got lots of messages. We'll be back after the messages shortly. And this is Santa Barbara Teen Sports Radio Show. I am your host, Eric Assault of the Queen of Teen. Please tune in every single Tuesday at 9 a.m. Welcome back to Teen Sports Radio. This is Christine Marie with a view from the deck. Um, and this today we are taking a leap of faith and we are going to start. I'm going to start sharing with you um, the major arcana of the tarot deck, which are 22 cards. Um, each sort of, uh, how would I say it? Each representing a major milestone in every human being's life. And um, so I just want to get people familiar with the tarot cards. And the very first card that we are going to talk about today is called the Fool. And it is taking a leap of faith. So I'm taking a leap of faith that you're all going to go with me on this journey. Um, mo usually this card depicts a, a person jumping off of a cliff, <laughs> sort of a foolish person with his, his head in the air and holding a flower. And there's always a butterfly and a spiral. Um, and it, it's really this uh, idea that we all have to take a leap at some point. The first time we take a leap, we don't know really what can happen. And sometimes it can be easier. Um, but really, we all have to take that leap. And it's a leap that we can't make with our mind. Like our mind will not take us off that cliff. But our heart and our body might usually know we need to go. There's something. It's a, it's a movement from within. Um, there's a new deck of cards that I recently got called the um, Transparent Tarot, and they take basically one symbol from every card. And the symbol that they took from this card is the butterfly. Um, and um, I'm showing it on the screen. They're transparent, so I have to put it up with a little cloth. Um, but it is the butterfly, and it has spirals on its wings, and there's a flower at the bottom. So it is that sense of when the butterfly bursts from the cocoon um, and moves forward. And so it's reminding us all that we have several, when we come back to this place in life, that's what the spiral reminds us. That we're always coming back to a place of being the fool. And eventually we get to be a wise fool. Dominique, did you have something you wanted to say? Yeah, I just wanted to ask you a question. I ran across a quote, and maybe Dr. Amy can comment and Don too, 
uh, that was saying, when we sense it's something that we need to do and there's a little fear about doing it, but we feel propelled from inside to do it. Yeah. That is the thing that we need to do. And um, just having a comment about that. I mean, it's because it, the place of the fool, I mean, that's the transformational journey for all of us. We are constantly coming back to that place where we, we take up the position of the fool. Can you speak to that? kind of sense of um, there's some fear and trepidation, and yet we also feel that inner compulsion that we need to do it. It's important for kids to really identify that because it's like, take yeah. the shot. Don't take the shot. You know, um, I'm not ready. I am ready. It's it's that, you know, then that's good when you have those feelings and those endorphins and they're rushing and, and your self-doubt. I think it's important. Dr. Amy. Well, I think there's two interesting things for me, which is, um, one, recognizing that fear, what we call fear is often excitement. And two, that somehow the fool and our wise selves are often really intertwined. Like it's called the fool, yes. but there's, there's actually deep wisdom in that sense of this is what's true for me. This is what I need to do. This is how I'm called to be of service. Like those things are all intertwined. And I think often it's only called the fool by the mind, like that's kind of overthinking things and by society that kind of wants to keep us in our box. Oh, I agree with that, Dr. Amy, and I'm I'm also, I'm also thinking about that idea that um, of the difference between excitement and anxiety. The two are very similar. We have in our physical bodies the same, very similar um, experiences, heart beating, and one of the main differences between those is the breath. Are we breathing deeply when we're anxious and and afraid? We're breathing in shallow. We're shallow, and we're we're afraid to breathe deep. But if we take a deep breath and connect in, that's really um, an important aspect of it. And I think it's where we learn to trust that intuition. If something's telling us to do something, to do to turn a certain way, to make a certain decision, but another part of us is afraid and says no, um, we get to see like when we do do it, oh my gosh, that part of me was right. When we don't do it, oh my gosh, that part of me was right. Right? It's that same thing, learning whichever way. There's no... You know, um, we win some or learn some. So there's no losing here. It's just a matter of learning to trust our heart and our body and, and letting, giving our mind something to do in the meantime. <laughs> nice. Don Sanders. I love where you two have been going with this. And I think we could all stand to be in that place a lot more often and with a lot more acceptance because we're socialized with a lot of guilt and a lot of fear and a lot of anxiety. And if adults didn't do it purposefully, if our peers didn't do it purposely, there's there's always I remember in the playground growing up, there's always a homogeneity. It's kids fear the things that are different and they tend to judge and they tend to come down on anything that's different. But to find your own gifts, to find your own way in this life, you're going to have to you're going to have to break off from the rest of the crowd. And at the same time. You want to be able to come back in and you want to contribute to the crowd because that's part of, you know, that's part of living. And so that break anytime you're making that break 
you know, many ones happening right now. I mean, a couple of years of this pandemic stuff and all this lockdown stuff. And, and I don't know about you guys, but now I'm on the move. There's a lot of into it, lots of new territory, strange places, strange encounters, things I haven't prepared for. And uh, but I'm looking at it differently now. I definitely am looking at it like, hey, this is how we learn. Let's keep it going. Nice. That's, that's great. You know, I'm reminded of it's this video. I forget about a leader and leaders leading. And actually, the first person who does that leap, maybe doing a crazy dance at a concert, you know, um, this is what this video spoke to, wasn't actually he was the leader. But in a way, the person who broke next was the next person who joined them who took that leap of faith to go do the crazy dance again. And then a whole bunch more people kept going. And then all of a sudden the whole crowd is doing this crazy dance of, of this, you know, and enjoying themselves and doing this thing. So the, being a leader is also, you know, you can, you, you, we, we are a, uh, what is that word? An example. We set an example and we inspire other people to follow their own hearts as well. Nice. I love it. What, what we're trying to pass on to kids is that, there is no time in life, I, in my humble opinion, where we reach like full mastery. We are always taking on the beginner's mindset and we are always taking on the, gosh, I don't know, but it seems exciting to go in this direction. And at the end of our lives, if, if we can encourage teens to see, it's not the things that we didn't, it's not the things that we did that, that most people regret. When you talk to older people in your family, it's usually the things that we didn't do that, yes. that we regret, the opportunities we didn't take. So that's what we're trying to encourage uh, kids about. The position of the fool is not a position of weakness. Mm -hmm. It is just a recognition of where we're at in our journey. I look at this. So this this discussion is so important with the summer coming up and with all the things that the kids um, are going to have to be dealing with. Like I said, we've had shut down for two years in Santa Barbara. We've had before that the fire and the flood. It's just going on and on and on. So I, I just recommend that kids stay busy and be careful the pond that you decide to swim in. Because like I say, I've said this so many times, like my mom's golden words, and she told me this since I was a little kid, is if you want to you know, swim with the pigs, you might not wake up and look like one, but you're going to smell like them. So don't, you know, be really mindful because a lot of kids, because they're still youthing and they react to things. It's not that they take the time and take the five or the 10 minutes to think is this is what's going to be the consequences you know what's a possible outcome you don't think you just you gravitate toward you know it's like you're getting sucked into something you're just getting pulled so just be really careful because there's going to be a lot of free time this summer keep yourself busy so that's my two cents want to take a break then uh right before the break the parents should recognize and maybe uh others can speak to it as well our kids is brains and psyches are still growing. And so one of the most important things I learned as a parent, my job is to say no. Mm -hmm. And that means, yep, I'm not your friend. Um, you're, you're not going to be happy with me when I say it, but I say it because that part of your brain that would say no, if, you, if it was fully developed, is not there for you. So I need to be there for you. Mm -hmm. And I'm there for you saying no when, it need, when it, the answer needs to be no. That was the one thing my five children <sighs> said to me as a parent. They said, you know, the one thing, mom, we wish you could have improved on was saying no more often. And that's what I will be providing to my grandkids. <laughs> <Right>. Seriously. <laughs> 
All right, let's take a little break. This is Erica Salter, the Queen of Teen. We'll be back with more after these messages. Teen Sports Radio Show. I am your host, Erica Salda, the Queen of Teen. Please tune in every single Tuesday at 9 a.m. Hello, this is Dr. Amy with Teen Sports Radio, stillquietplace.com and spotaspider.com. And we were talking at the break about good news in women's sports. So for those of you who don't know, the U.S. Soccer Federation decided to do equal pay for the men and the women's soccer teams across the board. They also decided not only to do equal pay, but equal training and transportation conditions. Uh, No more turf for the women, which means fewer injuries. And they also are granting paternity leave and child care to the men. So This is truly an equal pay agreement, and it's an example for other sports in the U.S. and other sports internationally. And hopefully it will actually make FIFA think about their bonus structure, because for the women and men in the U.S. to be paid equally, they needed to make agreements that compensated for FIFA's wildly unequal uh, pay structure for Mm. teams that are competing. Like the men get paid 10 times what the women get paid for any equivalent FIFA participation. So today is a day of celebrating equality Mm. across the board at least in U.S. professional or U.S. national soccer. Nice. Long time coming. Yep. I'm pretty sure sure my tweet said about damn time (laughs) at U.S. soccer and then at FIFA. I forgot what I wrote about at FIFA, but there was something there about now it's your turn to step up or something. Well, it, it, the women have earned it. You know, they're the ones that were, have been winning the gold lately. So we've we've done very well. And I mean, if the women weren't as powerful and strong and as good as they were, this probably wouldn't have happened because the bottom line is it is marketing dollars and they're making millions on the women. So it, it's only fair. It's only fair. Um, Just a quick question. Um, Erica, uh, you had a situation where your sport that you were headed to college to play, all of a sudden you couldn't play that sport. And so you did this thing where you walked on. Can you explain for our teams what that means in a uh, college environment to be a walk-on player? What, what is that? You just you show up the first day of practice. And basically, it's this, the structure is from when I was starting to play, if you wanted to... If no, if you didn't get asked to go, you just you participate in the program, and you're usually a, what they call a redshirter. So you 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 play for a team, and you basically you know you gutting it out, gutting it out, 
you know, you're the one who's picking up the balls, you know, you're the one who's doing all that. But at the end of the day, um, there's always opportunities. I mean, um, City College Spaceball has probably got 40 guys that walk on. I mean, my son, John, was one of them. And you just because the first five, the first year really should be just training and, and getting your body, getting the body fat down, uh, physically uh, taking care of yourself because you're competing against, especially at City College, Division One dropouts. That's just who you're competing against. And you're not there because these were the best of the best of the country and the academics of where they went on a D1 program. So they just needed that extra year to more for two years. So then they, 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 they transfer. And then, you know, but it, it, all I'm saying is that your body, as any athlete knows, if you're in high school, if you didn't get picked up, that doesn't mean you're done. That doesn't mean you're done. And every college has club. So you, you don't even have to um, play on the team, but there's, there's so many clubs there as well. I have a lot of my friends crossed. I mean, I, I walked on, it was the MVP of girls soccer. I never played soccer. Okay. I was a catcher. So I was a, I was a kind of crossover goalie. So that's, I just was really good at it. And I, once I got an opportunity, you'd have to drag me off with an ambulance. I was not leaving. So when you have that mindset, um, no one's taking my spot. I got one chance and I, I dug my heels in and I was not leaving. And that's just how it was. So Dr. Amy, she gets it. Yeah. Well, I, I walked on um, to the Stanford gymnastics team as a freshman and basically a walk on means two things. You weren't offered a scholarship and you show up as Erica said, you work your butt off and you prove that you, um, deserve to be a part of the team and you get to have um, your athletic college experience. You get to have kind of a family uh, at college. And um, as Erica said, there are so many ways for athletes to participate uh, post high school. You can go to a junior college. You can go to a D3 school. if you want to play and you want an education, there is probably a way for you to do it. So be persistent, reach out to your college counselors like Raya and uh, reach out to coaching staff. Uh, my Twitter feed is full of people saying, look, I have a spot. Uh, I want someone who's hardworking and committed and will contribute to the good attitude of the team. So there's almost always a way to have it work. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And just a quick to parents of, of girls in particular, there have been a lot of studies done for uh, women in business and so forth and economics and the importance of being on a team. And if you look at what are the common factors of successful women as CFOs, CEOs, so forth, and in businesses, the common factor is that most of them played on a team sport. So there's something we seem to encourage the men in our in our cultures to go out for team sports, but the women aren't necessarily encouraged. And I just want to remind parents how important team sports are. Definitely. Don. Yes. And uh the girls, the, the girls are physically and mentally more mature than the guys faster. And it takes longer for the guys usually to catch up with their bodies when they go through big growth spurts. 
I can attest to that. And and so my girls, my both my girls were very in one was in rowing and the other one was uh showing the world that she could play basketball and then she chose not to. She went for lunch with uh some recruiters actually and she found out what would be uh, asked of her in division three, division two, II, division one. And she just chose a different path in college because she didn't want to devote that kind of time and energy to it. But, but she had already proved to the world that she could have done it. I mean, she had, she had walked on as a freshman at Camarillo high and, and, uh, after her freshman year, they were very excited about the prospect of having her on varsity the next year. And she chose not to do it, but she had to prove to herself that she could have Right. And that's a super, super healthy choice. And it's an appropriate choice for a lot of people. And so it should have been a choice that I mentioned as well. Yeah. Well, it's five in the morning to 11 o'clock at night. That's what it is. And it's the type of, especially when you're grinding it out, if you do walk on, and this is the funny thing, when I was at Westmont, I had no idea I had eyeballs on me, but I used to get to practice an hour early while the boys were playing and I used to shag their balls, you know, and I just wanted to be the keeper. And I used to have to tape my fingers. I'll never forget it because the ball came out a little faster. (laughs) Do you know what I'm saying? (laughs) So, I mean, and I was killing myself and I did that for an hour, every hour, before my practice. And I, I did that. That was like genius. And I was so blessed that the boys, the guys let me do that because by the time I got to girls practice, I mean, that was not, they're just not as strong. So if I can even get half of the boys, I would get, I got so cocky at the end of the season, I would, anybody scores on me, I would give them a dollar. Now I know that's not a lot, but that got you two ice cream sandwiches. Okay. In the commissary. I'm just saying dollar back in 1980, 81. I mean, that was a lot of money. Okay. Christine. Oh, I thought that was Don with his hand. Oh, Don. I can't get everybody shows points here. I was just going to, I was just going to say when I referred to my daughter as a walk on in, in high school, let me explain. She, she had decided to do this, although she didn't have any youth basketball experience or whatever. And she goes, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Can I do this? And I said, you know what? If you show willingness and you pick up on what you're learning, you can't coach height. You're almost six feet tall. If you have a good attitude and you're athletic and you're learning, they're going to love you. <laughs> I would just park her in the house. <laughs> That's all. I'd love to have a six footer on my team. Let's take a little break. Richard Ellsworth is out to bat after these messages. Teen Sports Radio Show. I am your host, Erica Salda, the Queen of Teen. Please tune in every single Tuesday at 9 a.m. Welcome back, everyone. This is Richard Ellsworth with Mountain Sage Healing Arts and the Braille Institute. And, you know, listening to this conversation, I, I did jump in a little bit late, but um, 
there was something, you know, I, I'm not the most athletic person in the world, you know, now, but, you know, in high school, I, I wrote a lot and, and it was really big. And I remember a message that, that really stuck out to me um, that I, I think really fits in with the conversation. And um, I had a coach and he said to me that 50% of success was showing up and that the other 50% was playing full out. And it, it was something that, that really stuck with me because as long as I showed up and was there mentally and, and physically, and as long as I gave my all to whatever it was, no matter what I was doing, it all worked out. There was, there was, there was balance, right? And what it, what it also made me think of, and it's a little bit in contrast to what we were talking about, but more from an academic standpoint, is just how important um, memory is. And, it's, and memory is something that relates to academics and also relates to your to your athletics and sharpness of mind is something that is so closely correlated with your beliefs right with have with with what it is that you're believing that you can do i was thinking about there was a quote by some famous person i think it, i, I want to say henry ford and it was whether you believe you can or you believe you can't either way you're right and it, it was Another thing that just kind of stuck with me, because when you're trying to remember something, whether it's a, a play in a game, whether it's something that you're trying to study for homework, everything flows so much more easily if you already have the belief that you're going to be able to do it. And then you start to couple that with movement, right? And this is the benefit that athletes have, especially teen athletes who are also balancing academics at the same time. You have this great gift where you're moving constantly, which is helping your brain, right? If you believe you can do something, if you're, if you're moving, and then you can also emotionalize whatever it is that you're learning or whatever it is that you're doing, it becomes a long-term memory that you can rely on for your entire life. So there's a, another quote that I, that I always say, and I tell this to my students at Braille all the time when they're trying to remember things, because a lot of them are, are older. Um, but I tell them that all learning is state dependent, right? So everything that you're learning is entirely dependent on what your emotional state is. If I ask older people what they remember from what they learned in high school, they tell me they don't really remember much. And I ask them what their emotional state was, and they say that they're bored, right? So but the things that they do remember from high school are the things that they were excited about, right? Because they emotionalized it, right? Boredom is, a, is like a zero emotion, right? But if you jack up the emotion all the way to five or 10, you'll remember what that is. Information plus emotion is equal to a long-term memory, right? So when you're learning something, even it's, it's also like a fake it till you make it type thing, right? If you can kind of conjure an emotion, and bring that up while you're learning something, whether it's a play for a game, a particular strategy, or something for your homework, if you can figure out a way to get excited about that, to make it fun for you, that will stick in, in your mind and you'll be able to, you'll be able to play full out. That was good. That's amazing. I, you know, it's really interesting to me. There are a lot of subjects in school where I excelled at test taking because I created a code. And when I would get my paper from the teacher, I immediately turned it over. I wrote down my code for memorizing something. And then I took the test because I had dumped my memory, my code. But I enjoy codes. It, it made me happy. 
to figure out a code that would contain a lot of information. So that's how I emotionalized subjects like mathematics that have no emotion in it. But my emotion was the satisfaction of a table that would help me know the right the right way to answer a question. I also did that later in life when I became a stockbroker. Um, I, in order to take that exam, which is a very difficult exam to pass. I uh, actually know a few, it's like taking the bar. I know few people that pass it the first time. I'm just amazed. A very good job. Um, I, I did the same thing. I, you come in with nothing you, and they give you a blank piece of paper and a pencil. And so the first thing I did was I dumped down all my codes. Can other people, Richard and, and all our co-hosts, give teens more examples of how to emotionalize uh, subjects that may not have emotion like um, statistics? I think that you, you really kind of have to be creative with it. So if you can identify something in your life that already you already know excites you, that already brings your emotional content up to a 10. Maybe it's maybe it's athletics. Maybe you just love, I'm so out of touch with sports. What's really big right now? Football, basketball. <laughs> basketball, <laughs> playoffs. Basketball, okay, let's take basketball. That's it. Right? Let's say basketball really just fires you up and you get really excited about that. Well, how can you turn a statistic equation or what it is that you're learning? How can you make that apply to a basketball game? How, how can you make what you're learning relevant to you, right? If you, can, if you can make what you're learning, whatever it is, relevant to you, and even more importantly, relevant to something that gets you excited, right? You'll remember that and you'll nail it every time. Christine. Um, I wanted to talk about um, statistics in college. For me, I failed the first statistics class because I had no connection to it. The next statistics teacher that I got, he taught it like a language. He taught each term and he loved statistics and you could tell he wasn't bored and he really, you know, connected with his students and it changed everything for me. I became one of his graders and I became, you know what I mean? I just loved that class. So he connected with me on the level that I, that I needed. I just wanted to give that as an example. Let's not talk about statistics at Westmont. <laughs> I only got through that class because of the curve. <laughs> okay. And I don't mean a pitch. I mean, the teacher knew that 90% of his class wasn't doing well. So we had to dummy the test down a little in the final. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Don Sanders. <laughs> that reminded me when Christine was talking of a uh, community college, uh, what was it? college algebra or something class and I had never enjoyed math and I remember very clearly back in junior in junior high we used to call it now they call it middle school um, when at eight in the morning a math instructor would call me out to go up and show everybody how I figured out my homework and I was more I was mortified and I was hating every moment of it and it so turned around I got to the community college and this guy he was jazzed about math I'd see him in his office hours he'd teach you little shortcuts and things that would help you and so the whole class at first I was behind the curve then we got into these more complex things like algorithms and the whole class was taking a dive and my curve was my personal curve was going way up so, so I, I totally am on board with what you're saying there. Once, once I connected with this man and I was enjoying myself, then math became a whole different animal. It's true. It, it's so the teacher. And, and, and what a great um, shout to, uh, before we go to break, shout to Joni Galvin, St. Rayfield's eighth grade teacher. She was there 30 years. She's retiring now from teaching and taught both of my kids a great, great teacher. And she's going to be 
doing something else now. And it's, uh, it just so crushed me because when you have such a, I mean, superstar, but she's ready to move on and do something else with her life. She's looking forward to it. Joni Galvin, we love you. Let's take another little break. We've got a little bit left. Fill up your coffee. We'll be back with more after these messages. Barbara Teen Sports Radio Show. I am your host, Erica Salda, the Queen of Teen. Please tune in every single Tuesday at 9 a.m. We are in a gratitude segment, and I just wanted to say something uh, back out and say something about thank you. Thank you is a miraculous expression. We feel good when we say it. We feel good when we hear it. And speaker, hear the words thank you. Then the armor falls from our hearts, and we can communicate on a deeper level. Nice. Christine, we've got like literally 30 seconds. Quick shout to one person and then move. I'm totally grateful to Dr. Lovejoy, who was that statistics teacher in college and changed my life. And I decided to be a teacher because of him. Nice. Dr. Amy. I am grateful to you for referring me to the person I am grateful for, who is Claudia Miro at Inspired Brand, who is doing or redoing both my websites. Nice. Richard. Richard Ellsworth, quick, quick. I'm just grateful for for chiropractors and cracking spines and pain-free living. Nice, Dominique. I'm grateful to trees. Thank you for all the oxygen trees. (laughs) Go visit a tree if you haven't recently. Right. And I got to say, Jody Galvin, God bless you so much. You were such an important part of my boys' life. Uh, Enjoy uh, your new adventure. God bless Santa Barbara. We got to go. See you next week. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, wow.